Hi everyone, welcome back to a podcast of one's own. We are Edinburgh Napier's Feminist Society who every two weeks like to round up what we've been talking about in recent sessions or socials. During the month of November we've been talking about disability in depth and as we're recording it is now officially Disability History Month in the UK and this year the History Month is from the 18th of November to the 20th of December but we started a little bit early so that we could dedicate semester time to these discussions. Recently we had our last educational session of the disability block which was entitled Accessibility and Feminism. In that we looked at different types of accessibility and how certain issues manifest in different social justice movements. So we looked at Black Lives Matter and the climate justice movement as well. We then had a look at different layers of those issues, uh, mostly breaking down the assumptions that people have or may have about disabilities only being visible and you know the idea that you're only disabled if you use a wheelchair or have amputations etc. That's why this week we want to talk a little bit more about invisible disabilities, diagnosis and hierarchies within the community. I say we because I am not alone. I am joined virtually by Aurora. Would you like to introduce yourself Aurora? Hello I'm Aurora. I'm the treasurer as well of the Genesis of I'm, so, I'm sorry, I keep mixing them still up. Feminist Society, um, fourth year, right. 23, and a late diagnosis of ADHD. Are you single? Do you want to throw that in as well? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for this, blah, blah, blah. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and also, we are joined by Grace. She's a first year student um, and also obviously new to FemSoc, but I will let her introduce herself. Welcome Grace. Hi, so I'm Grace. I'm 18 and I'm a first year and I've got three learning disabilities. So I'm dyspraxic, dyslexic and discal- and I have dyscalculus as well. So yay! Triple D's. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Very, very qualified I suppose. Um, before I start going into the main topics as this is probably maybe the last disability podcast that we're going to be doing for a little while I wanted to ask both of you looking back at what you've learned or what you've heard about has anything surprised the both of you? I think one thing that I was kind of surprised about more with our sort of the first one about the sort of history and everything have surprised how recent it all is like because I mean if you look at sort of other big movements and stuff they've been happening for sort of years and when but with the sort of disability it's actually kind of shocking when you realize it's kind of like sort of late 90s and mm. 2000s like that's basically like my whole lifetime yeah I mean I I agree with that I was also quite surprised how late everything is I mean not surprised because you know society is disappointing but in a disappointing way surprised at how late <laughs> all of that is and I think like in my own research I was again disappointingly surprised at how long waiting times are often for these kind of things you'd hope they'd be more of a priority in a way but they're clearly not yeah I think when you go into this topic you think oh it can't can't be that bad it can't be that (laughs) awful for disabled people surely that these things have been put in place forever and these uh, topics and issues are you know withstanding obviously you look at other social justice movements like you say grace and you think oh these origins must have been around this is just a continual fight but actually we're still sort of in the origin stage of it um and one thing we spoke about in 
the session was the idea that it's only within the when we're talking about feminism here like in the third wave of feminism that disability and intersectional issues have been in- included and sort of joined together with that also within the disability community it's only really recently that the awareness of invisible disabilities has come around and almost this idea that the disability movement has opened up to actually let more disabled people in so I wanted to ask both of you in terms of your own conditions have you ever struggled or been resistant or are you resistant in calling what you have a disability what's your feelings on that I don't I don't mind like I think for me it's because for me it's so new because I only got my diagnosis in September so it's been what two months I don't think my brain has caught up to the fact when I still hear like about like disability actors and disability groups that kind of stuff is still like very much they're not the same as me even though now I like kind of belong to that group so yeah I don't know it's like kind of new to me <laughs> and what about you Grace um well I mean I've I've always kind of been aware that I've had it and it's like it's like and I know it's classified as a sort of disability but there's the whole idea of like a disability is like a physical thing and stuff and sort of growing up I was like well wait am I like disabled because I don't like I don't have sort of like a physical mm-hmm. but I think as I've gotten older I've just kind of been like well I don't I don't mind saying I have it and it's just it's like just one of those things that you kind of just sort of like yeah I've I've got this condition and it's but it's not like a sort of huge it's not like a huge sort of barrier like I'm just I'm very happy to sort of say look I've got a learning disability and it's really bad but whenever I qualified for SAS so the additional like the disabled students allowance and I was like well I'll put it down because I get free I get free I get money from the government to that's like the way that I sort of deal with it or some, something will come off and I'll I'll make a comment about it and I get weird looks of like why why are you making that comment or something I just deal with it like with humor and stuff I think when you if when you start learning about this idea that like disability can be an identity and it's not actually your impairment that makes you disabled it's the world around you and you know everyone is absolutely sick of me banging on about the social model of disability so I won't go into that again but it is so true because I suppose in the past people would be like well I don't I don't have a disability I can walk I don't want to call myself disabled because that's negative when obviously disabled isn't a bad word and absolutely what you said about SAS take all their money make their pockets hurt it's like the money's there exactly first um like find out about disabled students allowance I thought it was like just an extra um bursary or something but you actually have to to work to get it it's not as easy as yeah. some people maybe think I was also gonna say just another comment that I make that I get that I just thought would be quite amusing to share and I think yeah. I think I told you this at media club um but it was basically like why why have one when you can have all three or <laughs> buy one get one free or because it's like neurotypical um economic efficiency it's like exactly. it's better to get just get all three might as well it's, so I obviously was sort of diagnosed with all three but I only sort of properly learned that I was dyslexic when I was applying obviously I had to apply for all of the support for uni I had to get my, my medical diagnosis and it said oh yeah you're also dyslexic I've never sort of thought about that I've always just thought that I'm dyspraxic and I've got dyscalculus but I think with dyslexia as well it's the whole sort of stereotypical of your stroke you struggle with your reading and stuff whereas mm. and then I realized oh wait it's the spelling I can't spell 
it's everything mm-hmm. like that so I think I think there is sort of like a little bit of you've got to kind of change perceptions of what like these sort of invisible invisible disabilities are because yeah, so, yeah. the first time that I as I experienced or noticed other people in my class having dyslexia was you know they got extra time during English exams or something like that and there would be a large group of people that would say well that's not fair I want that and they just didn't understand that this wasn't like a a thing that you get if you just ask for it it's like no this is a reasonable adjustment that has been made due to your learning difficulties or disabilities so it is just like ignorance up until the point where you learn about it and then you're like oh okay that makes sense and like you say it really only was dyslexia like I hadn't actually heard about dyscalculia and dyspraxia until a lot later I think that's the same for quite a lot of people they just assume like oh if you if you're really bad at maths it's just because you hate maths or you're you're just not good at it when in reality you could have one of these conditions and it, it's nothing to do with your like your want to be good at maths or your studying <laughs> abilities and things like that although I'm, I don't I don't know I hated maths <laughs> Still, regardless of it, hated it. (laughs) No. Um, Aurora, can I ask you, like, when did you decide or when did you feel like, oh, I'm going to try and pursue a diagnosis for what you have? Well, I mean, I didn't even think I had it. Like, it never crossed my mind that I could have ADHD until we were in the library together with Zena last year, December. And I was like, you know what, all these things kind of fit. (laughs) And I just sat there and then typical my brain I just sat there instead of doing my work I sat there for an hour looking all kind of online things I was like oh, and what all these fit um but then I was like maybe I don't know whatever even if it is I've got exams so I can't think about it and then it did take me like quite a while because then I started thinking about it. I was like actually like not joking like a lot of the things do fit so I looked at like all kinds of like um ADHD artists and like active, like accounts like um awareness accounts on Twitter I was like, okay, like even more things start like fitting. I was like, okay, that could work as well. And that also works. I think in like maybe April or something, um, especially like obviously over quarantine and all, I sat at home and had a lot more time to think because nothing was working. <laughs> because all of my all of my typical ways to work around, like for me, for example, my ADHD is very much the inability to do stuff. Like I can't get up and actually sit down and work on things. So it's the more of the in, inactive one. Have the hyperactivity as well, but not as badly. But yeah, so I was like, well, it's showing up a lot more now than I could have. For example, the evening library to go through because I knew I couldn't work at home, and then I couldn't work at home, but I was stuck at home. So then I was like, okay, maybe I should like actually think about going into this. So it took me a bit, and I was like, okay, mom, I sat my mom down. I was like, oh, mom, I think I might have this. And then we started looking into it. And then it was a bit complicated because I was I was in Germany over summer over the quarantine period. Then I started looking into like this new diagnosis in Germany, and I wouldn't have time because the first time, the first appointment time was end of September, but I knew I would be running back to Scotland, and they didn't do online things. So I was like, oh my god. And then uh, I looked up the one here, um, and I had to talk with my parents because we decided like go private, which I mean I only found out afterwards that the waiting times are like could be up to five years. So I'm like, even with a one year waiting time, would have been too much because I'm a fourth year. So I'll probably be moving away from Scotland like May or June. So that wouldn't have been an option for me. The, the waiting time just been too long. I wouldn't have been here anymore. So we decided to go um, private, which it did take me like a good month or two to actually get up the courage to call. Because that was kind of the final step. You know, you could even like, like not just 
like think to yourself it was the actual like how do I what's the word not attack it that's not the right word yeah. but face face yeah. the fact that okay this yeah. is actually the thing then I mean the appointment went easy I had an appointment after a week so did we notice mm-hmm. the difference <laughs> then yeah she told me at the end of the service at the end of the service, okay so you can feel like nine out of nine of the inactive and six out of ten six out of nine of the hyperactivity thing so but it did take me like a good not a full year but like a good like six seven eight months to actually get up the courage and be like okay do something about it because I'm pretty sure you have it <laughs> yeah that's quite interesting I'll we'll get into like complaining about the services in a hot minute because I bet we can talk a lot about that but it's quite interesting that you said the two different types of ADHD like growing up I used to think it was just hyperactivity that was like the main quote symptom of it or whatever and you know when you weren't hyperactive and you were maybe struggling to get out of bed and do things did that make you think oh I must not have it or were you aware yes I mean to the beginning just like I, was, I had the same thing, like my main thought was obviously hyperactivity, you know, getting up and not being able to sit and something like that. So my first avenue to look into a heart disorder was all those kind of, you know, self-tests online. And mm. so many of them are like, oh, like, do you feel the need to get up in class and walk around? And like, Because I was like, I don't think I have the hyperactivity part. Because there's nothing like you can have both or just mm. one of them. So it's kind of like three types, but obviously it's like a spectrum. So you can have a little bit of the hyperactivity. Of course, yeah. the focus. Um... So I was like, oh, I don't think I have it. And she was like, are you impatient? And I was like, well, yeah. And then she was like, are you like, and I was like, yeah, I'm fiddling with like my hoodie strings at the moment. And at, during this talk, I'm actually at the moment like opening and closing the drawers of my desk. <laughs> so, and then she was like, so are you impulsive? And I was like, well, I don't think I'm impulsive, um, but I'm very spontaneous. Like I can change my plans very quickly. I don't have like, I don't mind changing plans. And like, if I have something, mm-hmm. I can throw that whole thing over and do something else therapist was like well that's also one of the hyperactivity things and I was like you know that the, oof, the where the mind blows mean that was me at the moment I was like wow <laughs> that's the thing and then it was like in class I don't get up but I switch seating positions about every two minutes so yeah. that was also a thing which I just thought that's me and then you know the wobbly leg what's that called where you're like yeah, oh yeah, like yeah. the the yeah with your with your foot like the tapping yeah, yeah, yeah. It's happening. you do that all the time and I was like I know that's been a thing probably since primary school there's always been the friend who's like oh, stop it please I'm like, okay okay two seconds later <laughs> <laughs> I like James Cena's like stop it <laughs> so I've had the whole lecture hall like yeah five <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like I was like like it just didn't cross my mind at all like the the idea the stereotypes are so not wrong obviously there will be people who like have a strong hyperactivity focus um but yeah again like for me the inactive thing like for me it can take like I wake up in the morning at 10 and be like I've set myself a plan the day like a vague plan the day before okay get up at 10 then get out of bed at 12 because I know myself so I was like (laughs) you know give yourself some time and then leave it one for the library and then I don't know and then I end up leaving the library at six because <laughs> I've not managed to get out of bed until like four so it's stuff like that where I'm really and the, and the thing that bothered me the most was the fact that I was like maybe I can like explain it with things that I just don't want to do and I was like okay maybe you know that works easily like I just don't want to do that so of course I don't pick it up and sit down and do it but there's also stuff that I just really want to like for example I want to learn Korean three years now but managed to learn the alphabet once about two years ago I've forgotten it again because 
stick to it. So I was like, when well, I really want to do this, why can't I? So it's things like that where it's like, okay, like, I should probably get, like, just to, like, have a look at it and be like, is it this thing or not? Which, I mean, at the end, I'm happy about the diagnosis, but that shit was we used in school it would be like the kid that yeah always bounced his knee or um you know like fiddled like even chewing at your fingers or like pulling at your hair all these like certain things people would be like oh they're so annoying just sit still just calm down and it's like like kids don't know or maybe kids don't notice as much and then it, it must be quite difficult when it gets to your further school years and later on when you have to like start sitting exams or something and then teachers are like well, it's not a problem don't whatever just ignore it um, and I've heard as well that it's even more difficult for girls to get diagnosed for certain things just because of what well, like implicit gender bias and every psychological or medical study that's ever been done has only been done on young boys I think and it's also it's things like you know hyperactivity like running around the room stuff like that mm-hmm. um they're more boy traits you know what I mean like if a boy runs around and is like active and wants to play all the time that's more like like it's more like oh yeah like boys are active to do but if a girl does that it's more of a, like sit down do this like be more of a lady like all that kind of stuff so there's all the gender roles that also push it that women are more likely to have like i don't wanna, i don't think coping mechanisms is the right word but you know like like ways to like work around your like symptoms kind of like obviously yeah. still you can't like but stuff like you know switching your leg instead of like i had one boy in my class i don't know if he had ADHD or not but he would get up regularly every two seconds out of his seat to stand up in the middle of class and then sit down again so stuff like that like i mean I would hope a teacher would be like, don't be a girl, like, blah, blah, blah. But you've kind of learned not to do those things because it's like, you know, you sit lady, like, you do this and this, do that. Like, girls are more quiet, they're more mature, they're more this, they're more that. So I think, to a big extent, that probably also plays a role in why girls are just not diagnosed with it because there's, we've just learned how to, like, work around it more than, because boys, the boys' per- behavior is a lot more permission, like, there's a lot more permission mm-hmm. to act how society you know what i mean like mm-hmm. not yeah. with the rules yeah. and everything yeah definitely i think masking is a term that i've heard before i don't know if that like fits or if it was another context yeah, well, but... to be honest i'm not like most familiar with all the terms yet so could be <laughs> <laughs> you, what do you study again <laughs> psychology but like we've established yes. <laughs> racist so, and everything <laughs> so, i don't know how the brain works do, do any of us no <laughs> nah I think that's going to be one of those great mysteries that we're never going to fully find out <laughs> so like in your studies Aurora you've obviously come across probably like examples or what's, what's the word case studies of like these conditions and look back and you're like that was a whole load of cow I'm not sure I mean probably have come across <laughs> it but to be my brain is a sieve so it's probably gone <laughs> um but like there's just things what what bothers me most about psychology is not i mean a lot of like a lot of the topics as well and i don't want to like slander my lecturers here right? but i'm like yeah. look, you're a psychologist you're supposed to know about this shit and you're so incredibly inflexible <laughs> it's not like well no you know lecturers are really working hard as well i'm like i don't know shit about you that's your job <laughs> like come on like they're really inflexible with, with those kind of things so you kind of have to have like proof or something for example, you'd think, you know, like, psychology would be like, yeah, recording is fine. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. <laughs> like I you know. should know better of all the people like you told the psychologist to know best they're all high and mighty mm. and then again like it's the same same problem sociology as well it's overwhelmingly white and straight and I can, alien so. i can i can give you the thumbs up for that because i'm doing social sciences yeah. so one of them is and it's all so like these men and all like white and you're just like oh god I think oh. especially I think especially as like a woman and you're just like oh god this is this isn't good this is to cut it brief we've got like this sociological text which is like one of the main texts and it's this dude and he wrote it in the 50s and he keeps referring it to men and you're literally like oh god mm. like even at that point obviously it's like with the whole sort of the women and you're like oh god why are you just referring it to being so sort of male dominated and stuff like that but yeah but I suppose the good thing is with like recorded lectures I suppose a good thing is for me is that I can sort of pause it and then take notes and then carry on with it but yeah I, w- I will I say I have no idea how I survived the last three years sustaining yeah. two-hour lectures. I know I the one hour lectures like, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> now i i um like i know this sounds really bad but i'm quite happy that exams got cancelled because my advanced time modern studies with extra time was about three hours and i was just like oh god just sitting there for three hours that's to take it further like it's almost good that universities have had this moment where they're forced to make accommodations for like certain students you know well the sales students have been fighting for it for over like 15 years but then all of a sudden the majority of students need it so they're like oh crap we actually have to provide this now and it's like we have been asking for this for Uh years and we know it's going to work and we are happy you know we can help implement Uh it and we can do all these things we know it's going to work and Uh lecturers are like how can we record things how how are people going to do stuff and it's like it's always like the argument was always, oh, we can't record it because of copyright stuff. And I'm like, well, it seems not to be a problem now, yeah. is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it just shows you. Also, other thing wonder. that I'm so glad about that they're recording lectures, which this sounds really, yeah. really weird, but PowerPoints, right? So I quite like, I sort of learn with PowerPoints and it's always so irritated me with like lecturers or people and they're doing, and they flip through the slides too quickly and I'm trying to take notes yeah. off the slides. So I'm like, oh, thank God, I can pause it and getting getting sent the slides anyway. So, but yeah, yeah whereas before, usually students have to like fight to get slides. Yeah, or <laughs> get them turned back. But mm-hmm. I think it's the whole thing as well of, oh God, it's like a majority, now that it's like a majority issue of obviously mm-hmm. pretty much basically everyone's online now, it's, there has been a change. And if you think about it, it's all, they're all like such little things. Mm kind of could have been implemented before this whole mess but but I suppose that's one positive of this whole of COVID which you've got to you've got to find some sort of positive I guess definitely highlighted a lot of um ableist inequality let's just say that like in good ways and bad ways obviously in bad ways there's been a lot of examples of disabled students not getting the support they need because they're maybe not on on campus as much they're not able to speak to their lecturers um and if, if you're not having like that constant contact and making those relationships then it can be quite hard to maybe say that you've got a disability and you need extra support because I believe the way that Napier works is before you come to university you disclose your disability mm-hmm. and if you don't and you get into university it's a lot yeah. harder 
So obviously, Grace, you did you disclosed beforehand, yeah, whereas Aurora is yeah. you know halfway out the door <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and having was, to tell them. Ba- yeah, basically, it was basically put it on UCAS. Mm-hmm. Got an email, basically said, look, you need to fill in all this sheet. It'd fill in this form with like all your sort of medical to sort of like a, so we like a hundred percent no, filled that in, had a phone call and then had an assessment mm-hmm. basically of just what like support we think you should have and stuff. So yeah, but the original with the actual assessment was so I could qualify for the DSA. And then we're like, look, we just, we've got all of, we know you've got like a diagnosis and stuff like that, but we just need, I don't know. I got like the whole thing of, it was like, we do, we're like, we trust you that this is all, but we kind of just need to make sure kind of thing. And I actually, really weirdly, I found it sort of like a positive because I um, was waiting on a conditional and this obviously happened all over the summer. And it was kind of one of those weird of like, okay, I could probably get the grades. You're willing to take me kind of thing. And then I got the grades. So that was quite good. <laughs> and you're yeah. here. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, virtually. <laughs> That's so true. With the DSA, a lot of the times when, when you have a diagnosis, it is just making sure that they tick boxes and that you like match up what you have to the support you need. And yeah, but more so trying to get your point of view, because if they did, okay, this person has dyslexia, this means they need this and then they just give you it without talking to mm-hmm. you about it it really needs to be collaborative but as yeah. I say that's great when you already have a diagnosis mm-hmm. um, then, to start with because yeah. I suppose if you just went in like look I need all these arrangements they'd be like why go and prove that you have this thing first yeah. and they say that as if you can be like okay sit there a mm-hmm. minute I'll phone my doctor get a diagnosis in 10 minutes and they'll send you an email and as Aurora will say, you know, she's like went across two countries to get a diagnosis almost. I've diagnosed made it easy with uni because I got like a massive report sent to me after it. Mm-hmm. So I've got like, I mean, I, I guess what made it easier for them, I don't qualify for the DSA because I've not lived here long enough. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I don't need a lot of extra things at the moment. Everything's yeah. online. Mm-hmm. So most of the things that would have been like, like oh you can have headphones during the exams and I'm like well they're online so I guess it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. So yes, it was pretty easy for me this time. Luckily, but yeah. Yeah. I imagine it. It's maybe like saving them money in some ways because when I got DSA, it was for um, accessible taxis between campus. I must have been costing them a hefty amount to drag me between <laughs> my halls and the campus three They've times. Gotta, a week. gotta make the most of it. Yeah, I would it's, save, like, it's saving yeah. you the money. On a sunny day, I can just roll one way, go down this really dodgy street, and then I'm kind of at Merkiston. But I got the taxi anyway because, well, especially when it was raining, it would take the taxi like probably twice as long to go the way that I wanted to roll. I was like (laughs) and the way they kind of worded it it's like well you're entitled to this you're entitled to this so you should take it don't be proud and just say that like oh no it's fine I'll do it myself blah blah blah. but I think part of that it was so easy for me to do that was because I had I have it's not went away I have a physical disability and I'm in um, a power chair so they can't say like you're not disabled uh, you don't need assistance so let's segue into the next question there and ask so thinking on from the last session and our like recent discussions and things like that when you're thinking about invisible disabilities and when we talk about representation as well it is very common that 
although disability representation is abysmal, it is usually very physical disabilities. So what is your two cents on this need to improve? I personally think it needs to start, I mean, obviously parents and everything, but at school, because a lot of things that, like, now obviously looking back at it, um, things that I struggle with, like, you know, doing homework. I never did my homework for, like, 10 years. <laughs> I did it on the bus or in the bathroom at school or something like that. So stuff like that, it's like, it was either assumed, you know, I have a hard life at like, it's good that they check up on that, obviously. But I'm also like, there are other alternatives than a child being lazy mm. and not just wanting to do it. But and then it's just stuff like I've seen a lot of people mention, you know, fidget spinners. Um, yeah. I didn't personally have one, but they were originally made for neurodivergent people to be were like fidget in class, but still paying attention. Mm-hmm. It's stuff like that, you know, like fiddling around like on a piece of paper, like. Like those things that were like which partially punished for the fact that for a lot of people those are just necessary background things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you're not diagnosed, it doesn't it doesn't interrupt the like, like teacher in any way if the child's sitting there putting little flowers on a piece of paper. Like it doesn't make a big difference. So I think it needs to start with that more like acceptance mm-hmm. in teachers. Because like if the teacher is accepting it to also like be an example for the children. So we had one guy in my class had Asperger's, so they sat the whole time for all like 10, 11. So they sat us all down without him. These are the things that happened with that. This is how it like shows up, deal with it. And we're all like, okay. So it was never an issue, ever. Mm. Um, no, I mean, it might have been, but not as far as I noticed, because obviously I'm not him, so I can't say it might have been an issue in some way. But I think if that was the way that most teachers dealt with just anything, like, you know, fidgeting, stuff like that, don't make it a big thing, don't. First of all, don't point it out all the time because that's also not going to be fun for the child. So, like, normalize those things because they happen with a lot of invisible disabilities, the fidgeting, the not like looking around, not wanting to make eye contact is so overrated. We used to make eye contact all the time. Um, so, things like that, you know, don't be like, oh, you're impolite if you don't make eye contact. That's all shit. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, no, listen, that can, like, <laughs> can be really hard for people. So, yeah, so I think a big part of it is just education. Um, and with that, I don't even mean, you know, obviously you don't need to sit down and be like, this, these are all the disabilities you're never going to finish. Mm-hmm. But just, like, more accepting in general, there's no need to, like, go directly, like, oh, look at that. Like, not like, if you want to ask, it's easier than just, like, going behind that person's back and be like, oh, you're weird. Yeah, like, like oh, that's weird. What are you doing? Like, hey, why do you battle so much? And I'd be like, excuse me. Like, this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. I think... I think another thing is that you've just got to try and because I think there is sort of this huge big sense of oh we can't talk about it or it's like this sort of and I think the whole thing is you've just got to it's like I think with the thing that they said with obviously Black Lives Matter that they were going to try and sort of start you've got to start young like you've got to start Mm -hmm. with like the kids because if the kids are going to grow up with this mindset then it's kind of hard to change it as you get older. So I think it's like you said, when you were all sat down and like when you were sort of like 10 or 11 and were told, look, this is this, it's totally, your like classmate has this, this is totally normal and stuff. If there is representation, it makes it easier for like another person to sort of be like, okay, even if it's like one person and it's like, okay, they have it. I'm like it's and I have it and it's sort of fine because I was very much like there were other people who had I don't know if anybody in my year had 
dyspraxia but there were a few people who had dyslexia and it was very much kind of you're not you're not different you've because obviously there's like the whole thing of oh yeah you're not the only person in the world but I think as long as if you like see at least like one other person then it's kind of that whole sort of okay it's like the community feel is so important and I think um Aurora in the session you talked about the idea that sometimes people with invisible disabilities have to quote come out and obviously it's it's invisible so you can't like see it and then it all as soon as like that happens if someone quote comes out with that thing like everyone's opinions or assumptions automatically change and it's like you had it would be great to get to a point where at some point if I don't know like a big Hollywood actress or actor or something said you know I have ADHD and I do this and I do this folk aren't going to be like oh that's weird and then you start like rethinking their entire life it's like okay that's cool and then young kids will look at that and be like oh my gosh that actress has what I have and look what they're doing that's but yeah it's easier for kids I think they just accept it so much they're just like okay and then they continue yeah. on I never yeah. want to think about it too long yeah yeah and I think I think if you make it the whole thing it is sort of especially when you're sort of like an adult it just gets way too overcomplicated one presumption that I think a lot of people have and this will be like the last topic we'll talk about is uh, the idea of hierarchies in the disability community uh, like I said if you have an invisible disability you have you kind of have to come out whereas other people that go around in wheelchairs or relators and walking sticks like they don't have to do that so they don't have that extra barrier and I think often the in the disability community wheelchair users feel like this is their movement and this is like the only disability this is the first disability that we have to deal with before we help anyone else and that is so ridiculous and so awful mm-hmm. and it just shows you that like disabled people can be ableist arseholes as well um it's like kind of comparing it to I guess if feminists like second wave feminists say like we really you know we should just help white women first and then we'll we'll get to black women it's like no you have to include everybody mm-hmm. so yeah in the disability community there seems to be like a hierarchy depending on how acceptable the disability is um mm-hmm. Aurora can you 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 research that part yeah it was basically like the, um it was a lot of you know like how it's like the more like acceptable the more aesthetic but that was also part of it mm. not disabled people you know the less ugly it is the more accepted it is yeah so mm-hmm. it's, it's basically a lot from like the non-disabled persons like non-disabled communities perspective mm. so it's not from the disabled community but from the non-disabled one so again you know like because like for example like the example they used was um, looking at veterans so like but, like i just take one part but like for example someone with like like an amputee like a missing leg or something is easier for society like the non-disabled community to accept because it's more aesthetic than someone for example has facial burns because you kind of have to confront that more um and then i think the abstractness of invisible disabilities and like the thing like for example they use the example of ptsd so but i think that would apply on like most mental health conditions um or invisible like neurodivergent all that kind of stuff it's because you can't see it that it's a lot harder for people to wrap their head around it so they don't really want to confront that and then my little psychology brain is not to me yes they don't want to confront their like internalized guilt and all that kind of stuff 
that's so true what you said like oh if you can't like out of sight out of mind and then as soon as you have to deal with it or someone comes out with this um, disability it's like oh so I have to rethink my entire wiring I guess so it's I don't know it's just like the non-disabled people are like I need to do work I need to respect more people what a lot of people are like oh no I'm not like ableism I listen more like you know I'm not sexist but I'm like yes you are just say i am yeah it's that is definitely one thing that annoys me when it's like the i'm not sexist but or Mm -hmm. i'm not ableist but and you're like it's not like a sort of 2d thing it's like there's you could say like one thing and you could be like yeah not not ableist and then you say another thing and you're like well hold on a second you actually are being yeah ableist and i think as well because Disability, I think disability is quite a good example because there's so many sort of variations mm-hmm. of what a disability is. And it's kind of one of those things of people automatically have, like with a sort of a physical disability, people's like, if you sort of said, to, I'm sure if you like said to somebody, oh, what's, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of like the word disability, like mm. the chances I'm sort of generalizing a little bit. But I'm sure like most people would say sort of like maybe like wheelchair or and you're like, well, there's so many other ones like under the sort of under the Equality Act. Obviously, all three of us are under this, but then it's the fact all three of us are sort of completely different. And like, obviously, I think the three of us are a really good example that there's just so many variations. You've kind of got to, you've kind of got to accept that, that there are, it's, there are just so many sort of variations. And I think that's definitely one thing that sort of does need to be challenged is you've got to change people's mindsets and be like, look, you've got to sort of be aware of all of this. No, absolutely. Two parts of like, unless you confront the fact that you have wrong ideas about this, that you're never going to change those so I just will go out and be like yeah I have like ableist ideas or I have mm-hmm. sexist ideas like I obviously don't go to a person like change my mind <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that probably like, wouldn't be the best like, that probably wouldn't be the best plan of action <laughs> but like educate yourself and I think like that's it like when people are just in the little bubble of thinking oh I'm, I'm like perfect I'm not ableist but then they go out and it's important not to get complacent when we talk about like disability to start with and we are all I would say we're like if there was a staircase to working towards unlearning our ableist thoughts I feel like we're ahead of a lot of people kind of annoying when you're like oh my god I have to drag everyone up to this stage and then we have to go even further so it's like under the Equality Act yeah I suppose rightfully we are all protected but in practice maybe only one of us will actually get noticed because of you know our disabilities and that's absolutely crap and I think what we spoke about in terms of education and awareness is so important because then less people might get um like confronted you know with the you're not actually disabled 
because then you have to get over that mindset to then re to then break down what you actually think disability is and then you have to break down what being disabled means and how it's not a bad thing and there's just so many steps mm -hmm. but th these are like this this is the start of these discussions yeah I think we'll wrap it up there before we get into another rant go off on another point about how how the world is unfair <laughs> even even more unfair than we than we thought even more than so I'll wrap yeah. up here yeah. and please come back Grace oh <laughs> definitely I've enjoyed this gives gives Thanks. me a nice opportunity to talk to people the fact that I can't really do anything in terms of social stuff True. This is, this yeah. is good, good. Yeah, this is socializing and talking about important issues. Perfect combo. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what FemSop is all about. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you also, Aurora. You were here. <laughs> you were there. It was fun. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and if everyone wants to join in on our conversations next time, you can follow us at FemSop Napier, of course, on Facebook, Twitter. Instagram we welcome your comments especially about this and if anyone else wants to come on and talk about things we'll probably have another one or two episodes this semester maybe it's almost Christmas who knows we'll post about it on our social media yeah so we will see and hear you in the next one bye bye bye, bye.